here's some people in pretty much everyday life and something bad is happening and the issue is will good people do something about it will good people stand up and say hey that is wrong even if it might cost them politically or cost them financially or in some other way so we've already been introduced to what's going on in the story remember we have King Xerxes or Ahasuerus and he uh, has gotten rid of his queen because she didn't do what she was told one time during a party and then he's been about four years without anybody and he's getting lonely and the people that are running the country come alongside and say hey king you look pretty lonely why don't we have a contest and bring all the beautiful women from 127 provinces here and you pick a new queen lo and behold god works it out and the king does uh, pick a new one and it happens to be a young Jewish girl by the name of Hadassah, who is faithful to God, who loves God, and is going to prove her faithfulness. And she also lives with a cousin who became her father because her parents had been killed, and his name is Mordecai. Mordecai works in a place in the king's palace that is called the, the, the front gate. That's where judicial things happen. So we think that perhaps he is an authority at the gate. It also puts him close to, the, if you want to call it, the house of women or where the concubines will stay. And it's there that he went daily back and forth trying to find out what was happening with Hadassah, who is now going to be called Esther, and Esther becomes the queen. Now there's the first problem that crops up in the book for everybody, uh, and, and at least for our, our heroes of this book, Mordecai and Hadassah. So in verse 21, here's what happens. She's become queen. And in those days, while Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, now he names two men, Bigthon and Teresh, two of the king's officials from those who guarded the door. The question is what door and why, why are they guarding and when do they guard, but he doesn't tell us that. These two men became angry and sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. So get this. They're in an official place. There's two of them, Big Thon and Terra, and they both have decided we don't like the king and we're going to find a way to put him to death. And for whatever reason, that's what they wanted to do. Now, what makes it interesting is they also are guarding a door that is essential to the king's safety. In verse 22, but the plot became known to Mordecai. Now, remember, he sits at the gate too. I don't know what their interaction is, but somehow he hears, he's got his ear to the ground, and he hears that these two men want to kill the king. And so Mordecai has to make a decision. What would you do at that point? Now remember, you're probably working with these guys. What if they win and you're the one that's, that ratted them out? Then what's going to happen to you? So it, it could be somebody's life is on the line, probably his, if, if this doesn't work out. But he does it anyway. But the plot became known to Mordecai, and he told Queen Esther... And Esther informed the king in Mordecai's name. So Esther didn't take credit for it. She said, hey, Mordecai has brought this to our attention that this is going on. Now, when the plot was investigated, so the king takes action on it, and found to be so, in other words, they were telling the truth, they, meaning Big Thon and Teresh, they were both hanged on the gallows. Now, one of the issues we have in the book, because this comes up a lot, is did they really build a gallow like we think of a gallow, where they actually put a noose around somebody's neck and hung them? Chances are really good that is not what the word means. Probably it means more to be impaled on a large stake. So remember, uh, there's going to be a man by the name of Haman that builds a gallow to kill Mordecai 
It's probably not a hanging tree as much as it is an impaling post that's going to be very, very, very high. I will say this. They usually put that person to death before they impaled them, but not always. But this is what happens to people who go against the king. And it was written in the book of the Chronicles. The Chronicles is a word that means times. So the times in the king's presence. Now, you know the story, and I kind of wish you didn't. Because I want you to see how God is setting this up, all right? Just out of the blue, somehow these guys get mad at a king, and they start a plot, and they're going to put him to death. And somehow it just seems that Mordecai just happens to find out about it. Mordecai, being a faithful man of God, said, this isn't right. I'm going to turn it into the king. So he tells uh, his cousin Hadassah, his daughter that he has raised, and Esther goes and says to the king Ahasuerus, Ahasuerus, Mordecai said that these men are plotting against you. She didn't say, uh, I'm telling you this, it's all about me. She said, Mordecai, is, that is so important for what's going to happen. And the king takes action. And for the first time, we have people being impaled and killed because of what they've done. Now, I want to go back and look at some of this and see what we can uh, take home today from it. In verse 21, I think what we're supposed to learn here is that faithful believers, I mean trustworthy, they're going to do the right thing. Faithful believers are used by God being put in the right place at the right time for his purposes. Do you really every day think that when you go to work or wherever you work, whatever you do, that God has you in the right place for the right time? And that whatever you're doing, that's the place God puts you. And that you look around at that place that God puts you all the time and you're looking for ways to serve him, to be faithful to him, and to do the right thing. And we do the right thing because we have trusted that Jesus Christ paid for our sins on the cross. We decided to make Jesus our Savior by believing that he'll forgive us and give us eternal life with our faith. And now we're motivated by what he tells us to do. And what he tells us to do is always right and good. And so we do it for that reason, because we love Jesus, and we want to be faithful. Well, we have seen that our friends have already gone through a lot in this book. It took a long time for Esther to end up being the queen, and they went through a lot of stuff. God was with them the whole way, even though his name is never mentioned in this book. As a matter of fact, there's not even one prayer recorded in this book, not even a prayer meeting. At the very most, we can say that there's going to come a time when people are told we need to fast about this. And we can assume what fasting includes, but we're not even told that. The whole point is you and I need to see God working in our life even when we don't know what he's doing and he doesn't seem to be talking to us about it and we don't hear from him. People still are faithful in those days. So the whole process of Hadassah becoming queen uh, was probably difficult for Mordecai and Hadassah. Surely it was. We remember that every morning uh, of that uh, about one year that she was in the, the first uh, house of women being considered for the king's queen, that whole year that Mordecai, because of where he worked and he was close to that house, he would pace back and forth until somebody could come out and tell him, hey, how's it going with Hadassah? Can you give me some news on her? In verse 11 of chapter 2, every day Mordecai walked back and forth in front of the court of the harem to learn how Esther was and how she fared. This guy loved her. He'd raised her as his own daughter. And he's really concerned about what's going on. Why? 
because she is not under his control anymore. This is a girl that he bought clothes for, he bought food for, he put a roof over her head. Now she's in the clutches of the king. Who knows what's going to happen to her? And he was concerned, and he was always there. All this time, he had the job that he had at the gate. We're not sure exactly what it was. Uh, but that's where justice and judgment took place in the country. And so it seems that he would have an official place there as some part of the judicial system of the Persians. We find this verse that Mordecai is sitting where he belonged in the king's gate. It's just another day. He's just doing what he's always supposed to do. He's where he's supposed to be. And it turns out this is going to be exactly where God wants him to be that day. And two men are named who are guards at the door. Now, some commentators, and that doesn't make you right just because you comment on the Bible, but some commentators believe that they were probably those who had the charge of guarding the king's bedroom door. Now, there's no way to know that, so it's just speculation, but they're obviously close to the king. They feel like they can get the upper hand on the king, and that would be a good place to be able to do it, but we really don't know. But there's some door the king uses that he counts on to be safe, and wherever that is, these two are guarding that door. At any rate, they were close to the king, and I mean that in proximity. They had knowledge of the things that most in the kingdom would not know, that is the comings and goings of the king. So things are working in their favor for the plot. Their names are Big Thon and Teresh, and they are viewed as officials for King Ahasuerus. Well, for an undisclosed reason, because we don't need to know for the purposes God has for us, uh, that they, liter they literally wanted to, the text says, send out a hand against the king. In other words, they're going to murder the man if they can. Uh, instead of killing the king themselves, they were working uh, for some, uh, someone third party to do it for them. Apparently, the reason they wanted to do this is not so important for us to know, so just forget about it. All we know is that that's what they wanted to do. That's what we need to know. It is not a good thing to want to assassinate a king in Persia. Mordecai's adopted daughter's life could be at stake. Now, I'm going to tell you something else that is not biblical, uh, but there's a good chance that it, that it was true, because in what we call the Aramaic Targums, which is really a translation of the Old Testament Hebrew into Aramaic with notes in, in one of those Aramaic Targums, and they are, they are good literature, they are very accurate, but it says that they also had plans to poison Esther, uh, you get rid of the king, you probably want to get rid of his queen as well. However, our text doesn't say that, so we can't be very confident about it. But at least from history, there was another book that said, look, they're also going to kill Esther. So if that was the case, we can see why Mordecai is so concerned about what goes on here. Let's take a note here. God's people are always where they are at for a reason. Look at your surroundings as the place of your mission that has been assigned to you by God. Is it some kind of an accident that you are at a certain place the bulk of your time? Well, not with God. Or do you think that God has designed it for you on purpose? For purposes? And the answer is yes, he has. Every one of us is where God wants us to be and we need to do what God wants us to do. And one of the things God wants us to do, and this is where it gets tough because we don't often work with other Christians. We don't often work with those who know Jesus and are following, you know, the tune of his drum. 
And they make choices outside of what we would make. And they make choices that are immoral or here murderous. And yet God wants us to do the right thing in those places. I am, uh, I am not counting sinful places. I assume we're trying to live righteously, so understand that. In verse 22, believers need to be those who will do what they can to promote righteousness. So I'm saying that I have to make that choice and you have to make that choice too because we belong to Jesus. We need to be those who will, will do what is right when we're called on to do it. We're not told how, but we are told that Mordecai, because of the position God gave him, discovered the plot. The life of the king is it's in danger by Big Thon and Teresh. So let me propose an answer here. Mordecai discovered the plot because God made sure that he did. But now the ball is in Mordecai's court, so to speak. What is he going to do? Well, what do you do when you find out a truth that needs to be told? And there's going to be opposition to that truth. What would you do? I believe God knew what Mordecai would do because he was a faithful individual. I think that's why God put him where he did, where he could discover this despicable deed. Because what we have to understand is they did not know what was in the future, but because we know the story, we know that every little thing that happens here is a part of the overall plan that God is going to use to save the nation of Israel. Now that's a big deal. And big deals with God start with little things that you and I do to be faithful where we are at. And as you're being faithful over here and you're being faithful over here and somebody else over there, God is going to work that plan together to bring about what he wants. So I really, I, I need you to do the faithful thing. You need me to do the faithful thing. And, and we need others to do the faithful thing, even if it's little stuff. Because that, that's what's happening here and we learn from what we read. Mordecai did exactly what he should have done. He reported the assassination plan to Esther because that's the only one he could get close to, and she told the king. I think God is counting on him to do the right thing. God is not disappointed. And in, when he did that in heaven, God said, well done, you good and faithful servant. Maybe such a move could have cost him, especially if the plan was successful, but he did the right thing anyway. What would you have done? The story is told of a military patrol that were reconnoitering, meaning they were checking out an enemy territory, and uh, they, they were taut as piano strings as they did that, taut, T-A-U-T. The, the little group of men probed shadowy images and uncharted terrain. Suddenly in the night, it was rent by the blinding flash of, of a gunshot, and the point soldier, the man out front, was mortally wounded. While the sergeant screamed for the unit to take cover, a young recruit plunged insanely ahead to the dying man. There he too was wounded and in extreme pain, mustering his ebbing strength, he dragged his now dead friend back to the unit and there he collapsed. Above the roar of the battle, the sergeant was so upset, he yelled at him, you fool, why did you get yourself shot for a dead man? His answer was this. The recruit replied, Sarge, I had to hear him say, I knew you'd come. What would I have done? What would I have done in that situation? What would you have done? One of the commentators that I uh, like in this book by the name of Dr. Nicolation said this, we, meaning Christians, should expose evil plots like these, listen to what he says, 
even if they come from businessmen or businesswomen, politicians, we're all on board with that, but he also adds, or even family members. Mm, ouch, how much is our commitment there? I guess what he confronts in our consciences uh, is, when it is your turn or it is in your power to do the right thing, will you and I do it no matter what? That's a big issue. Because if nobody else knows, it's easy to just slough it off and not do the right thing. The question, can God count on us to do the right thing, is the question. And isn't that why he put us where he did? And the answer is yes. God counted on Hadassah as well to do the right thing. She didn't take credit for the report, and that's going to be huge in the future. Uh, she gave credit to the man who deserved it, Mordecai, her adopted dad. She didn't know that giving, that giving his name would one day be critical in God acting to save the nation of the Jews. She had no idea. She was keeping a secret. Don't tell anybody you're a Jew, and she kept that. And when Mordecai needed credit, he gave Mordecai credit. And then something's going to happen that never happened in Persia, but it's going to happen to Mordecai. Mm. That's also God's plan. Do you ever expect God's going to do this because of all the circumstances and it doesn't happen? You say, God, what are you doing? Are you not paying attention? You should have done this. And he didn't do it. And then you find out later, man, I'm glad he didn't do that. Wow, am I glad he didn't do that. Because if he had done that, we wouldn't be able to get where God wants us to be in the future. So could I say... And, and friends, will you listen? Will I listen to what I'm saying too? I want you to hear this. If you don't hear anything else this morning, hear this as a believer. Every little faithfulness you do counts in God's plan. Every little tiny, what you think is insignificant thing that you do in obedience to God, no matter how small, it counts in God's plan. That means I need to be faithful every day. I never know when even a little thing is going to pop up where God says, hey, hey, Greg, I brought this to you. You need to be faithful. Yeah, maybe you think you have something else to do, but this is important. Do it. And I need to say, God, I'm, I'm going to do it. Not, God, I really don't have time right now. So I want to encourage don't give up. Don't think little things don't matter to God. If you're learning anything in this book, you're learning that God is going to add up all these little bitty faithfulnesses, all these things that people are doing that are right against the people that are doing things that are wrong, sometimes great big things, and God is going to bring all those together in a miraculous way. And wow, he's going to save an entire nation in a big way. So friends, I don't know what God's got going on in your life right now, but every little faithfulness counts in God's plan. Don't get discouraged. You know what? God wants good people to work with other good people to accomplish his good will. God wants good people like you to work with other good people like the folks around you to accomplish the good will of God. And we're starting to see it everywhere. We even have a pagan Persian guy in head, uh, that's head of a harem that is doing the will of God. He doesn't even know it. We have Mordecai and Hadassah, just caught up in all kinds of junk that they really didn't want to be in, but they're doing the right things as time goes on. We need everybody doing that. 
In verse 23, the believer brings about good by being faithful in what God presents him or her with. God had a man in place whom he knew he could count on to do the right thing and report the wrongdoing of the wickedness, even if things don't go the way he wants them to go. That is Mordecai. Here's what God doesn't want. God tells us who we can't count on. God says there's things that people do that we, we, we just can't count on them. They're not trustworthy. They're not faithful. So uh, he gave us this little tidbit of truth in Proverbs 26.6. And it's important for every business owner, every boss, every, every person that's in charge of other people. In Proverbs 26.6, he says this. He cuts off his own feet and drinks violence who sends a message by the hand of a fool. It's like cutting off your feet and drinking violence if you're depending on some fool to do something. And a fool in the Old Testament is somebody who doesn't learn from their mistakes. They just don't seem to get better. And you don't send that kind of a person when you really need somebody you can count on. So simply, we're just not going to be those kinds of people. We're going to be the kind of person that God can count on. Well, an investigation takes place. It is discovered uh, that the report was true. And I am impressed with Ahasuerus here. He at least investigated this. There are, in history, there's all kinds of kings of pagan nations. They just hear something. They don't care whether it's true or not. I just don't like what I heard. And people, people die because they just execute them. At least this guy's interested in what the truth is. And he did that. And he found out what the truth was. And so we know what happens here. Judgment is swift and decisive. And if the Aramaic Targums are right, God also just saved his brand new young queen because she has work to do for him. Well, these men are put to death. And there's evidence that this word here for gallows uh, that my New American Standard translated, that Hebrew word means to be impaled. Probably that's what's happening. Why? Well, because uh, Ahasuerus' dad, Darius, uh, he liked the form of death called impaling. At one time, his dad had 3,000 people impaled, King Darius, 3,000. So it wouldn't seem out of the ordinary for his son uh, to use the same tactic. Well, that's really not that uh, critical. But something very odd that is no not normal takes place. Persian kings were known for their efforts in rewarding those who did, did good things for the throne and did good things for the kingdom. And it was the, the normal thing to do. And we know it was written down in the books. It's written down in the events of the day, the chronicles of the king Ahasuerus of, of Persia. They write it down, and then kings went out of their way to show how much they appreciated the person that was faithful to them, that helped the crown, that helped the kingdom. And so they always did something great for them. But there's nothing. Not a word is said. They put it in the book. <laughs> but Mordecai is probably expecting, okay, what, what's, what's the king going to do? And God's answer was, the king's going to do nothing. Not even send a thank you note. Not even call Mordecai in and say, hey, man, can't believe what you did. We're planning a big banquet for you and all that stuff. Nothing, not a zippo. And Mordecai doesn't whine about it. He doesn't get upset about it because he did what the king of kings wanted him to do, 
for the guy who thinks he's the king of kings, and he certainly is not, and he forgets, but as long as he did what, what God said, you know, really that should be for us reward enough. But God is gracious, and we're not done with this account. Let's hang on and see what he does. It was strange that nothing was said. It, that's not normal in the Persian Empire. Nothing done to recognize what this man did to save the king's life. And it isn't like the king didn't know about it. It was recorded in front of him. That's the way they did it. What's going on here? What, what is happening, God? You know what the answer to that is? The answer is God's plan is going on here. How easy it is for us to lose sight of the fact that God is always working. He's always got a plan, and it is always working. And what we've learned today is it doesn't matter what, how small your faithfulness is. It doesn't matter what small thing that you do for God. It works together with other faithful people doing other small things in the place God gave them, and God is going to bring them together to do some fantastic work. So don't give up on the little things. Don't give up on your faithfulness just because nobody's looking or it's not going to be a big deal or who's going to care. So I have a few applications beyond that, and they're in your bulletin here. Number one, it's a question. Can God put you in, in a certain position and count on you to do the right thing there? And I have to ask myself the same question. When I preach to you, I preach to myself. We're all in the same boat, right? Can God put me in a certain position and count on me doing the right thing there? I want that answer for me to be yes. Sometimes I might complain about it. Sometimes I don't like it. But I'm still going to do it. And maybe the same, maybe that resonates with you. Secondly, always doing the right thing is crucial in God's overall plan, overall plan. Had somebody not done the right thing at this point, the whole story has to change. Maybe disaster is going to happen. God's going to have to find somebody else that will be faithful next time and work it out. And the Bible's full of incidences like that. But in this, in this account, thank, thank the good Lord. We're going to see people on God's side, and they never give up an opportunity to do the right thing. Thirdly, Mordecai saves the king's life. But God has much more in mind. It's bigger than Ahasuerus. God is working on stopping a national threat that hasn't even been conceived in the mind of a, of a wicked and evil man yet. God's already working to take care of something that somebody's going to do that he doesn't even know he's going to do it yet. Aren't you glad we have a God like that? Anybody glad? Thanks for a few of those. Okay. And finally this. My friend, can God count on you and I to always decide to do the right thing? No matter what the cost looks like it might be. And I'll leave you with that thought. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I have no idea what's going on in the hearts of my brothers and sisters, but I can remember when I was studying this for the message today, uh, boy, that's encouraging. 
and I want them to be encouraged. I want them to focus on the central part of what we talked about this morning in the middle of those verses, and that is that you're counting on us, yes, and that, that puts pressure on us. We understand that, but we also want to serve you. We want to do what you call us to do. We want to be faithful no matter what. And I just want to thank you for that encouragement. Please let it be etched on our hearts. Let it be inscribed where we can't forget it. There is no such thing that is too small of an act of obedience or faithfulness where your plan is concerned. We have no idea what you might be working in this church to do and put together so that we can do something very important for your kingdom. And we're building up to that with little faithfulnesses, with obedience that we don't even know is related to the other ones that are going on. How exciting it is to serve you. Thank you for letting us be your children. And in your name, I give thanks on behalf of us all. Amen. Please stand and we'll close the service by singing Majesty. It's page 74 in your hymnal if you'd like to follow the hymnal. Majesty, worship his majesty unto Father, thank you for uh, the message today, Lord. I pray that you would uh, watch over us all as we go out our separate ways today, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us all um, thankfulness and joy and perseverance in the places that you have, have put us in life, Lord. And I pray that you would give us the faithfulness and the steadfastness to do your will in those places. Lord, I pray that you'd, pray that you'd watch over our day and, and go with us now as we leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen.